I have the opinion this morning in case 21-1086, Allen v. Milligan, and the consolidated case. These cases involve Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. That section prohibits states from implementing voting rules or practices that have the effect of abridging a person's right to vote based on their race. The point of Section 2 is to ensure that all voters can participate equally in the political process. In these cases, several groups of voters sued the state of Alabama, arguing that congressional districting map it created for the 2022 elections violated Section 2. The voters argued that Alabama's districting map had the effect of discriminating against black voters in the state. That was because the map contained only one district in which black voters were a majority of the population out of the seven in the state. The voters argued that there should be another such district and that by failing to create two districts, Alabama had discriminated against them. After extensive proceedings, the district court ruled in favor of the voters. In doing so, it applied what has been our key precedent in this area, a decision from 1986 called Thornburg against Jingles. In that case, we set out three factors that a plaintiff must prove to show that a state's districting map violated Section 2. First, the plaintiff must show that the minority group could constitute a majority in an additional congressional district that was, quote, reasonably configured, end quote. Now, that's an important term. It means that the district must comply with traditional districting criteria, like respecting town and county lines, preserving existing political subdivisions, and being reasonably compact. Second, a plaintiff has to show that the minority group is politically cohesive, meaning that the group would in fact elect a representative of its choice in the new district. Third, a plaintiff must show that the majority group votes sufficiently as a block to enable it to defeat the minority's preferred candidate. Now, after all these factors are shown, a plaintiff must then finally prove, under the totality of the circumstances, that the political process is not equally open to minority voters. In this case, the district court concluded that the plaintiffs had succeeded in proving their case under Jingles. Now, the parties before us do not really contest the district court's findings, nor do we. Under existing law, the district court was correct to conclude that Alabama's map violated Section 2. But as presented by the state, this case is not so much about existing law. It is instead about whether Section 2 should continue to operate under the Jingles framework. Alabama says it should not. Now, the state has three basic changes it would like to see made. The first change concerns the first step of Jingles, which again requires minority voters to show that they could constitute a majority of the population in another congressional district. Alabama would require minority voters to make that showing without taking race into account at all. The second change is requiring voters to show that a state's map contains fewer black majority districts than the average number of black majority districts that would emerge in a random race neutral process. Now, to break that down a bit, imagine a computer program that generates all the different ways a state could draw its districting maps. Alabama would have the voters find out how many majority black districts were in each of those maps and then come up with an average number. If the average number of majority blacks is close enough to the number of majority black districts in the existing congressional districting plan, then Alabama says it can't be charged with violating Section 2. 
Now, finally, Alabama argues that the voters must show that any difference between the state's map and the average map in terms of the number of majority black districts each contain can be explained only by the state's intent to discriminate and not other natural features of the state like the fact that black voters may happen to be concentrated in urban areas. Alabama argues that these changes would help ensure that the political processes in the state are equally open, which Section 2 requires. Alabama also argues that its changes are necessary to ensure that Section 2 does not require racial proportionality in districting. Just because black voters in Alabama constitute two-sevenths of the state's population doesn't mean that black voters are entitled under Section 2 to constitute a majority of the population in two of Alabama's seven congressional districts. Now, we both agree and disagree with Alabama. First, we disagree that equally open just involves a comparison between the state's map and an average map or a map drawn without taking race into account. We have explained that individuals lack an equal opportunity to participate in the political process when a state's electoral system operates in a manner that minimizes or cancels out their voting strength. A district is not equally open, in other words, when minority voters place, unlike their majority peers, block voting along racial lines arising against a backdrop of substantial racial discrimination within the state that renders a minority vote unequal to a vote by a non-minority voter. The Jingles framework we have used for almost the past 40 years reflects that understanding of equally open, and we continue to adhere to that understanding today. We agree with Alabama, however, that Section 2 cannot be interpreted in a way that demands proportional representation, which would be directly contrary to the plain language of Section 2 itself. We conclude, however, that a proper understanding of the Jingles framework already guards against proportionality. As we have explained in a string of decisions dating back to the early 90s, under Jingles, minority voters must first show that they can constitute a majority in another reasonably configured district. But oftentimes that is simply impossible, even if, as a matter of pure numbers, minority voters could make up a certain share of the state's congressional districts. For example, when minority voters are dispersed in different pockets of a state or concentrated in just one area, it may not be possible to draw another traditional, reasonably shaped district that provides minority voters additional political opportunity. In such cases, Section 2 has no role to play, and the truth is there are many such cases, in part because residential segregation has been decreasing over the past 50 years. Alabama's proposed changes are therefore not necessary to protect against Section 2 being used to affect proportional representation. For that reason, as well as others set forth in our opinion, we will not adopt the changes to existing law that Alabama seeks. Finally, Alabama contends that if we refuse to make the changes it requests, we should conclude that Section 2 is unconstitutional under the 15th Amendment because it exceeds the authority given to Congress and because states may not engage in race-based redistricting to remedy state actions that have a discriminatory effect as opposed to state actions that are deliberately discriminatory. But it is well settled that Congress may outlaw practices that have a discriminatory effect. And for nearly 40 years, we have authorized race-based redistricting as a remedy for state districting maps that have a discriminatory effect under Section 2. We continue that understanding today. The decisions below are affirmed. The opinion of the Court is joined in full by Justice Sotomayor, Kagan, and Jackson. 
Justice Kavanaugh joins all but Part 3b1 of the opinion. Justice Thomas has filed a dissenting opinion, which Justice Gorsuch joins in full, and which Justices Alito and Barrett join in part. Justice Alito has also filed a dissenting opinion, which Justice Gorsuch joins. <laughs>